Welcome, welcome, welcome to another Sports Injury Central Pro Football Doc podcast. It is Combine Week here. We've got uh, Jacob here, Taylor, Justin's is hiding in the background. Um, our main man, Doug, is in Australia. Um, that's where he's from. But we're here working away, and no, I did not make it to Combine. I'll say, Doug, I'm surprised we have you. You didn't want to, to make the trip out to Indy? You know what? Part of it is it was too quick of a turnaround from being gone all week for Super Bowl. I didn't even go out that much in Super Bowl, but, you know, it was just too quick of a turnaround. And then baseball season, kids, coaching, softball, the daughter, soccer, that. And it actually snuck up. And and quite honestly, I've been a combine so many times, 20-plus times. Yeah. When I used to go there, St. Elmo's was the only restaurant. That's why it was so special, and it's a nice restaurant. But now there's just so many. It's so big. But also, i got to be honest with you, I felt a little funny about going because every time, look, when you go, as you know, at Combines, medical is the issue. And it is high security to get into the medical area. Like Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport cannot come close to walking into the medical area. Nobody can unless you're medically credentialed, picture the whole deal. And... I don't know. I, I think I just feel weird about every time I've gone, I've been in medical. And now I would, of course, have to be outside. And I know enough people I could get a guest pass and help out, but I wouldn't because then there's be too much. You know, remember, we're insider knowledge, not insider information. I would never do that to right. anybody. I guess I could talk to some players there, but whenever I've talked to players, I always make sure I say, if I don't know them already, this is who I am. And I'm a former team physician is this way. If they want to hide their answers and say, I'm not answering they're free as opposed to I'm asking like a media guy. Yeah. And then I, there's a gotcha moment, you know, I, I don't want to do that. So yeah. I don't know. I felt weird about it, but everyone tells me it's good networking to set the other, but there was so much at the Super Bowl. Yeah. I don't know. You know, maybe wanna, don't I look keep, like you're sniffing around for stuff anyways. Yeah. <sighs> And Indy's cold. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, and and some of the late night bar scene and networking, ugh, I'm too tired, too old. <laughs> Nikki Blaine's in the cigar bar and the the, the, the new steak restaurant. I, I don't know. Our guy Evan Silva's there. We'll talk to him next week oh, and, uh, and get his thing. Joe Thomas is there. We're going to get him on. He he replied to DM. But this week, I have to apologize to everyone, and I'm going to blame Jacob. I told you guys we're going to do guests in the offseason. And uh, apparently this week you're stuck with me as the guest. I guess the theory is, since everyone says combines medical, 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 that's what's most important. Maybe interviews are second, but the the workouts you have film, and uh, you're gonna have a pro day, so it's less important. Medical, medical, medical. So uh, you guys are stuck with a C level guest, C minus level guest this year. Uh, but what we'll do for this quote guest segment, since I've been to twenty combines and whatever, to me it's old hat what happens and how you grade and this that the other but i'm gonna 
quote, take a guest role and let Jacob and Taylor ask questions about medical, the medical process and what it is. Look, there's been a lot of good stuff out there. I think Bill Parcells was saying, this is my grading system. And, you know, Sean Payton said, you know, when you're the top half of the first round, don't go off of measurables. You don't reach. And, you know, that's all good. But medical grades and how we grade them and how it works and how it's changed too. I, I think this is what the quote guest segment. So you guys are stuck with me. I apologize. Well, we wanted a guest that uh, that you could talk draft with and go back and forth, but you know, might as well be us because we're uh, we're plugging away on our draft checklist. We're getting you all this this background info on guys' injuries coming in, and yeah, and that's another area. We're so. probably the only ones out there that really are going into draft stuff, right? In terms of injuries, because we have an idea of having quote been in the room when it happened. That right. my little Hamilton quote. So all right, so. Welcome me as the guest to the podcast then. Well, welcome, Doc. Uh, 20 plus years in Indy. Didn't want the shrimp this year, but he's here. <laughs> Let me tell you something about the shrimp, just so you know. <laughs> I had to bring it up. I knew I had to. Uh, shrimp cocktail's legendary at St. Elmo's. And uh, like everyone's at St. Elmo's. One time uh, I was uh, at St. Elmo's and uh, I got shushed out of a room there's different rooms and there's an upstairs <laughs> downstairs and uh i was talking to one of the other athletic trainers one of my buddies and this that the other and uh literally uh jeff fisher came up to us says do you mind we're trying to talk about trading draft picks number one draft picks here and this that the <laughs> Like, geez, how about, hey, we're getting started with dinner. Okay, thanks, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> I mean, you didn't need to pull rank in yeah. what you're doing. You just, I mean, if you were just another person having dinner and said, hey, we're about to sit down. Right. I mean, okay, it's time to move on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not a big deal, but that was a, a funny one. But anyways, the shrimp cocktail. I won't say who, but I had a friend um, medical person who would bring young fellows or young bucks to help out with the logistics of the combines. And he literally, now it sounded like a lot more money at the time. Now with inflation, it's not that much money. He'd give a hundred dollars to someone who could eat the entire shrimp cocktail, including all of the sauce. Oh. And let me tell you, the sauce is hot. And I'm bad at managing my pictures, but literally I have a picture. You guys ever seen horseradish? Yeah. No. No, Not like chopped raw up. horseradish? Raw. I don't think so. Big like ginger root looking. Oh, I, used horse, sell, I, I used to sell them in the produce department. Yeah. No, exactly. What you're really? About. Okay. Yeah. yeah Huge. Yeah. Th- like you smell yeah. it. And you're like, whew. And they chop that up and grind that yeah. in there. Like it is like nuclear. And so he would. <laughs> give someone a hundred, no one could finish it. Right. And we'd get laughs out of probably it was hazing that probably, probably is illegal <laughs> nowadays. Yeah. It's hazing. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah <laughs> but they're yeah. all adults and you know, but it was a superior. So yeah, yeah maybe it wasn't me. It was this friend. I promise it wasn't me. <laughs> um, but I mean, I may have participated and watched a couple of these can't finish the, the horse. <laughs> well, you, you knew the medical effects of trying to consume that much horseradish. So <laughs> but let me tell you, they have this uh, bean soup that's a little bit bland. The secret, if you're a real, if if you do this at St. Elmo's, you're really in the know. You take some of the horseradish sauce, 
and scoop it into the navy bean soup. Now, actually, now that I think of it, the way to win the hundred dollars is Joey Chestnut style. You know how he washes down yeah, with, with yeah, water? Okay. Dunk it in the bean soup. Put it in the bean yeah. soup. I don't think you know, and then you could actually probably yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm gonna go next year and I'm gonna I'm gonna win that hundred dollars from yeah. my friend. No, I might have to make it more money before. Yeah, are you gonna do it? Keep on doing it multiple times, right? Just like going like you're like you win, you like a pool game. You lose the first game, come in and be like, oh, I don't know if I can. I don't like shrimp really, and just like start. (laughs) Taylor, the shrimp isn't the problem. The shrimp is the problem for you. That's why you said it because you would never touch the shrimp. The horseradish sauce is the problem, and the craziest thing is the color's red, so you think it's innocent. Right, but it is not. It is nuclear. If the color was like horseradish, yellowish color, you know, right? Uh, no, it's a natural red. It looks. It looks like just a vegetable. It doesn't look that. Uh, and, and let me tell you, uh, this is not like on your prime rib some horseradish. That I could take. Like, I don't. I don't. But I could take a spoonful of this. Like, you cannot do. I don't know what it is, but it's nuclear. Anyways, back. We're off the off the rails here. Combines, what do you got for me? Questions. That's a big, uh, obviously a big draft class. Everyone's got eyes on the quarterbacks and wide receivers coming out of it. Last year, we seems like we had, uh, going through stuff, we had a little more red flags as far as Justin Ross with the neck and Nicobe Dean not getting surgery for his pec tear. But uh, Nolan Smith did get surgery for his pec tear at Georgia. Um, D lineman, expecting good things from him. He's He can fully re- be recovered by the combine. He's not going to bench right? He, because he can't you know, do a good effort. Not that he can't bench, but he hasn't been training. But uh, pec tears, nobody cares. Is very li- uh, okay, let, let, me, let me back up a little bit. The way the combine works is all 32 medical staffs are there. I find it curious that some teams aren't sending coaches anymore. I find that very curious. Yeah. The Rams? Well, more than the Rams. Yeah, there's like a... More and more every year, they're saying there's no no reason to go. I would say, right? Just get the information. Like people don't maybe don't like the stop being a fan, Taylor. (laughs) Stop being a fan. Oh, my team doesn't have top picks. So where is the draft built? Where are teams built? Okay, so stop worried about (laughs) the top pick for media and for fans. Okay, I mean. You got to understand, there's 330 kids there, 325 to 335. And by the way, the combine is technically has nothing to do with the NFL. It's kind of like the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. Technically, the Pro Football Hall of Fame has nothing to do with the NFL. Now, they really do because the NFL works with them, and so they're beholden. It's kind of like technically ESPN is not the NFL. But – there's a lot of crossover and synergy. Right. Same here. The Combines is independent. They listen to the NFL and whatever they want to do. And they have committees of people. And, you know, people have seen the schedule and certain number of quarterbacks, tight ends. If one certain year there's a good tight end crop, they may bump it up by a little bit. But there's 330 people at the Combines. We'll test your math. How many people get drafted? Seven times 30. <laughs> 32. 32, right? <laughs> so that's, in theory, 224. Right. 
So only two out of every three people at the combine even get drafted, which is why I personally find it a little bit strange that some teams don't bring their coaches. Because to me, it's not about the first round draft pick. I'm sorry. The quarterback coach is going to have squat to say about a number one quarterback. <laughs> they may ask him for politeness, but right. that decision in the first round is made well above him. But let me tell you something. When it comes to free agents, the position coaches have a lot to do with it. When they're drafting, by the time they get to the fourth, fifth, sixth rounds, assistant coaches are working the phones. Hey, buddy, I hope you get drafted. I I'm lobbying for you to get drafted. You're my guy. I really love you for my defensive backfield. Love for you to come here. There'll be great opportunity for you. So don't despair if you're not drafted. I'll be right on the phone, like recruiting yeah. guys, lining them up because it's a free for all. Right. And most people would say you almost would rather be a free agent signing than a seventh round draft pick because then you can pick your team, pick your scheme, pick the personnel, pick your situation. And guess what? When you're free agent signing, you can get bonus money that it's just what your agent can negotiate yeah and you can create a almost a video um how early can you sign the players can you or like call them like you know when you see them not being able to be drafted like oh i need you i'm going to call you right after the draft sending like what you can is call the them whenever you want okay. but you can't offer a spot right. until the draft is over like directly when the draft's done then is when and the way it works is the early guys will get a signing bonus okay and you know hey and they're not huge signing bonuses, but Carson Strong last year got a decent bonus, right? The Nevada quarterback with the knee issues. Yeah. And, you know, because there's some competition. Yeah. And so the agent says he'll come, but he needs X, right. you know, but you can't do that till the draft is over. So my point is getting back to combines. I'm surprised that teams, okay, the top of the draft, I get it. The secondary coach doesn't have anything to say. Right. Look, I've been in the draft rooms. Uh, that's part of where I joke about being in the room when it happened. Coaches aren't in the draft room, except for the head coach. The coordinators are not in the, quote, war room. Assistant coach is not a chance. They don't even ever walk in there. Now, I've talked about it. I was at the kids' table in the corner. But still, there was only about 10, 12 people in there, at least the the Chargers draft rooms, and most draft rooms are like that. Some have changed to more auditorium style, and maybe you can walk in the back a little bit. But ours was a conference room, a large conference room. Uh, in any case, assistant coaches, I think, have a lot of say regarding the free agents they bring in. So why wouldn't you go to combines? There's 110 free agents out there. It's a meet and greet for the for the free agents that are going to be available pretty much. It's not just a meet and greet, right, but right. it's eyes Seeing, yeah. live as yeah, opposed to film. Yeah. Right. Yes. You know, I, I, I don't get it. I don't get why teams don't want to send their assistant coaches. Now the prevailing theory is there, you know, there's a lot of networking that goes on. And I think some teams don't want that networking to happen and sharing of information. Right. That may be part of it. But let me tell you something, there's sharing in the medical rooms too. <laughs> I mean, you know, um, 
But in any case, that's a side topic. Uh, but I am surprised that teams don't send their assistant coaches because they have such a big role at the back end of the drafter and free agency. Right. Doesn't make sense to me. But, but getting back to the medical, I want to ask you a question because it always comes up with the trade uh, trades pending and it's always pending medical. And you've talked about, especially the Carlos Correa situation, it's not black and white, a medical exam. It's not like this guy's going to disintegrate in five years or this guy's going to be fine forever. How's that process going talking about uh, some of the top players? Like, Okay, about- well, well, look, since we're talking about that and we'll keep it in relation to medical since... Right. It's your show today, Jacob, so I'm just the guest. But medical plays a role, but not always. The way that I explain it is we give a medical grade, and no offense, but a lot of GMs or coaches or decision makers, you really can't explain a spondylolisthesis to them. They don't okay? want, that's not worth their time to just give learn me a number. About it, yeah. So, I say we give a number or a grade. And we had different grades. Uh, At one point, we were A, B, C, D, F. At other points, we were out of three. Then we went out of five. And then I got crazy with three plus L. (laughs) You know, and we can talk about what all that means. But basically, what they wanted to know was... Do they have a a yellow M or a yellow dot or a red dot for medical? If it's a red, that means don't take them. Yellow means you better pause. And literally, it was that simple on the little magnets that they have. Now it's computerized and what have you. And so I looked at it as a 40 time. Okay. This guy ran a 4840, but if you think he has game speed, draft him. It's a medical downgrade. Right. And so what happens is you have two guys who are graded the same. One runs a 4.5 and one runs a 4.8. You take the guy who runs the 4.5 if they're both graded the same. Same with medical. It's just a, a grade. In the end, I don't believe on draft day they know this guy had articular cartilage issues. and this They don't know. They're just looking at the dot and the number, you know? And so – um, very few else, of the three, very few of the 330 cannot be cleared to play football. Not to hate on Justin Ross, I felt he was one of them, right? Okay, based on his multi level fusions, but it's very rare because you only get invited to the combines if you've been and have played football and played it well, right? So, to all of a sudden say that you can't now. Things have changed. I mean, this is how old I am. When when I started going in combines back in the day when, you know, <laughs> dinosaurs roamed the earth, the GMs would say, can this guy play left tackle for 10, 12 years? Tell me his medical. That changed. Question. <laughs> that changed. It's basically, can he get through the first contract? Right. Mm-hmm. Everything else is gravy after that. Partly right. because GMs don't last more than five years, they, so they they're don't care. Not they're not looking 10, 12 years. <laughs> you know, and the mindset is different. Literally, it changed from, can this guy play left tackle for the next 12, 15 years to, can he get through the first contract? And... So we would answer the questions and we would discuss medical. But doing medical evaluations, 
and this is where people don't understand, it's much more the team physician's role at combines and medical evaluations. And it's not a pass-fail because out of 330 guys, 328 of them are going to pass. Right. It's like one, That's two, less than yeah. five that aren't going to pass. Right. Now, there are going to be a lot of guys, look, every year at the combines, inevitably, hopefully it doesn't happen this year, one guy tears his pec or one guy tears his ACL on right. doing drills. And that guy will end up, quote, currently failing his physical, but that doesn't mean they're not draftable. So what I'm saying is not draftable, likely to never play football again. That's like the weird heart issue, the spinal stenosis, yeah. the this, that, the other. If a guy tore his ACL at combine, his last workout before combine, he would technically fail the physicals that day. Right. But that doesn't mean he's not draftable. Look, Jeffrey Simmons failed the physical. He wasn't ready to go when the Titans drafted him, and they stashed him for later that season, right? I mean, and he's been a good number one draft pick. He fell down to the later part of the first round, and they so he's one of the top linemen in the league, Doc. That was a good stash. That's the kind of stuff that when it works, it works, right? Of the three hundred thirty guys there. There are probably 40 to 50 that will get back to recheck medical combines. And you could say all those currently fail a physical. And there's maybe a handful of others that might currently fail a physical. For, for, for example, the guy who guys who aren't running because they just recently tweaked their hamstring today or tomorrow or whatever day at combine technically fail a physical. But for the season, clearly they don't. Right. So of the three and the thirty, there's only one, two, three of those guys that just fail. So it's it's the gray areas that you're analyzing. Like Hennon Hooker might not even be a fail. I know he towards his ACL. Well, Hennon Hooker is a fail right now. Right. Now, yeah. At the reach. But he's not not yeah. draftable. Right. So getting and sometimes I think we got a little complicated. Five was a fail, but I would then grade five as in today, arrow to a two, meaning he's pretty good, mm. or three, some long-term risk, or three L, or this, that. Gotcha. So to be precise, don't get mad at me. He, he's not coming to training camp, rookie minicamp, two weeks after the draft and doing anything. Yeah. But projecting for the season. So Hendon Hooker would technically fail the day he mm. gets the exam. He's not ready to go. Right. But he could project to pass. So he's not one of the one or two that's going to fail, but he's one of the 50 or 60 that failed today, the day of. And we try and make that clear. But medical opinions aren't always, you know, look, there are some kids that come out of the draft and you said, that kid is going to be great. And you just know it. And everyone agrees. Uh, consensus number one picks, things like that. But a lot of times there's question marks. For example, bring up a sore point in our Chargers history. You got to remember when Peyton came out, it was with Ryan Leaf. And now clearly Peyton was far and away the best choice. And the Chargers had no choice because we picked second. Right. So whatever was left over, whatever right. Indy didn't pick is who we were going to get. Mm-hmm. But when Payne's name was called, it was not a guarantee consensus nationwide of who the first pick was right. in the draft. 
right? And we ended up having to take the leftover, whoever it was. Mm -hmm. um, but in any case, talent, medical evaluation, my take-home message is medical evaluation is like talent evaluation. There's no question, you know, a guy who runs a 4-3, he runs a 4-3 in terms of talent evaluation. But does he have all the other intangible skills, the hands to catch a ball, or does he want to make tackles, or whatever, whatever the thing is, does he have the the smarts, the coverage skills, or whatever the, the it is? That's talent, and, and that's the subjective side. And I would argue medical is the same. So when we were doing medical, there was sort of a, pseudo room consensus because we shared the room with six other teams it was the bengals jets uh titans and jaguars in our room um and you know for certain things there'd be a, a hand guy and they take that opinion or foot and ankle guy or a knee guy and, and i wouldn't always agree with what the room said with some subtle differences you can't say two GMs, or certainly not all 32 GMs, their draft boards aren't the same. Well, the medical evaluations aren't the same either. And uh, one of the biggest compliments that we ever got was, uh, I remember there's, we had a guy, um, Buddy Nix, who was an assistant GM, and he was great. He like We'd meet with him right after the day, and he wouldn't even have a piece of paper. Tell me about so-and-so. Tell me about so-and-so. Tell me about the ankle of so-and-so. I mean, well, I mean, it's his yeah, job, yeah. so, you know, and I'd have to look at the piece of paper and say, well, this Because <laughs> you did a million of them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, one time he came up to our head trainer, head athletic trainer, and I and said, well, guys, we're headed out there again. You know, you guys do a great job. He goes, you know, all my, he's got this Tennessee Southern accent. All my friends, I won't try and do it, tell me that you are the luckiest drafter and evaluator in the world. And I keep telling them it's not luck. So they keep taking chances on these guys and they keep working out. Tell them it's not luck. It's our guys saying that this is how we project them. They may fail a physical today or we're not worried about that injury, but some other teams are and they drop a fall to us. Right. doesn't always work that way, but uh, as we get close to the draft, we'll tell some of the stories. But my take-home point is the reason why 32 teams send all their people and they don't send all their coaches, is the medical evaluation is not all exactly the same. Although it's changing. They're bringing some specialists into the rooms, and it's becoming more of a group think, I think, and especially with sponsorship deals and docs coming in. But the old school guys, I mean, I relied on what I thought. If the whole room said I was wrong, I'd still voice my opinion on what it what it was. And, and uh so medical's not all the same. And this is why you can also have trades where one team will sign and one team won't. Because for this amount of money, we'll take that medical risk, but for this amount of money, we won't. Right. It's not black and white, so to speak. Lots of shades of gray. And that's where so that's why you need 32 medical staffs there. I mean, if my team ever told me, look, I didn't like going to Indy. But I thought it was a necessary part of the job, and I could argue that's more important than Sundays. I mean, okay, great. You consoled the guy and told him he tore his ACL in the field, but you didn't change the outcome of the game. He right. tore his right. ACL one way or the other. I like getting players back and changing the game. 
Uh, sure, we change the game for next year by fixing his ACL, but for that, I would argue that combines are more important than Sundays. And if a team told me as a doctor, we don't need you, I would probably uh, to go to combines. After I said, hip, hip, hooray, <laughs> cool, <laughs> I'd say, wow, they don't really respect my opinion. Yeah, They don't need me. They just take a, a group opinion. And by the way, we did check my opinion against we traded grades with a couple teams and looked at reasons. And, and sometimes there were some differences. And I talked to some guys on the side and say, what do you think? This is what I'm thinking. And sometimes I'd change my mind. Sometimes I wouldn't. But that's how fluid and flexible the, the combine medical exam is. And that's why it remains very, very important. And look, we do okay by video from afar, but there is zero substitute for in-person, hands-on exam, looking at MRI scans and the whole things. Like we're doing some draft grade evaluations uh, from afar here. And if any team looks at our stuff, I would say it's completely ridiculous because yeah. you got to examine the guy. But mm -hmm. for the general public... They never get to hear that stuff. So. Who never gets to look at that information right. or get the direct report from the doctor, we hope our information is helpful. The Justin Ross, the Nicobe Dean, this, that, the other. Yeah. That's what we try and do. But there's no substitute. Like, nobody's looking at our reports who's in the league. That's yeah. ridiculous. Ah, look, when I was in the league, I didn't look at any media reports, and you wouldn't expect it. You're going to get to see them. Like, the famous example we had blanking on his name now. Taylor will remember. Notre Dame linebacker, Jalen Smith. Oh, yep. Dallas Cowboy, great. Yep. <laughs> Dallas Cowboy, great. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't even, quote, covering college football at the time. You were at the Tribune, though. I believe you wrote something at the Tribune on him. Oh, really? Yeah. I remember I was skiing with the Littles, and it was New Year's because it was a bowl game. Right. And I looked at my phone and I went, Ooh, that's really bad. That's a multi-ligament. And all I said was something in general, you know, uh, about being multi-ligament. And then I remember from his agent, all these other, and I said, I hope the nerve is okay. That's what I said in real time. Right. And then I saw um, the agent say, he's fine. He had his surgery. He's fine. He's got no nerve issues. He's fine. And yes, yeah, multi-ligament, but he's fine. That's the agent's job. Yeah. It's okay. But then the agent said, the doctor looked at the nerve and it was fine. And I went, what? <laughs> I mean, that's like your uh, contractor saying, I dug up the gas lines in your front yard and they look fine. They're not leaking. Why did you dig it up? Yeah. You never expose yeah. a nerve like that, a perineal nerve like that in surgery. Yeah. That it looked if fine. If you don't have to. If right. you don't have to, if you're not looking for something. So there's obviously and, words, right? I've well, there obviously was something there. Now, yeah. I didn't write anything or say anything at that point in time. But then Jalen Smith, there was a famous video, I think it was five or six weeks after his surgery. He filmed himself walking into the weight room where someone filmed him. And he said, look, I got my knee brace off. I'm doing great. And I thought it was fair game because he posted the video. But yeah. my response was, well, what about that AFO on your foot that proves that you have a foot drop on a nerve? I mean, you know, essentially is what I said. Yeah. You can dig up the tweet is years ago. And 
I remember at Combine press conference, a New York Post reporter said, <laughs> I felt bad about this. He said, the kid said, he's fine, he's fine, he's fine. He goes, he goes well, Dr. David Chow, former NFL team physician, says you have a foot drop because of the AFO. <laughs> and, and I remember there was an article written that by him posting the video, my commenting on it in the video cost him millions of dollars in draft position because he was told said by Bill Poling to be a generational linebacker, right. top five he, pick. He was. Okay. And I would argue – that I didn't cost him a penny because all the doctors in the room were going to see him the next day yeah. and examine his foot drop. You think they're going to miss that? They're yeah. not going to miss that. And so they don't need to rely. Like maybe if someone was reading media stuff, I told them a day earlier, but they weren't going to believe me. They're going to look themselves. Yeah. So I maintain, I didn't cost him a penny. I may have told the public earlier, right? but in, Cause cost him a penny. There's no way that changed anyone's opinion. Right. Didn't cost him any money. Now I didn't feel bad about it because he posted his own video. Right. Now I will admit there's been times, including this recent Super Bowl. I remember the one in Miami too, where I saw something in person on Radio Row when athletes were coming through. But I've never reported on it. I mean, I remember meeting Tua and his family as he was leaving Radio Row in Miami and him walking across the street. And I remember saying, oh, this is interesting video seeing him walking. I was like, but that's so unfair. Yeah. I mean, to, to, to like spy on somebody. You know I mean, it's like I can't even go there, right? But Jalen Smith, he published it on social media, which – and it showed the AFO. Right. So I thought, well, now that's fair. But it didn't cost him any money. Yeah. And in the end, he still got paid the Cowboys. He was a top second round pick. Yeah. And, he was the second pick in the second round. I have a question and, on that, though, Doc. Um, right, right. I don't know if I interrupt yeah. you. Um, those kind of things, I, um, how does a, how does the doctor get overridden? Is it um, some um, rooms the GM is obviously more his voice, like our owner, Jones, is more uh, voice? Because, like, you're saying a doctor wouldn't miss that. There's no possible way he should have gone second pick in the in the second round, right? Especially well, there's the a lot of things there that that, that factored into that. Um, the doctor who did the surgery was the Cowboys' doctor, right? So the Cowboys thought they knew more than others. Um, I was pretty convinced that foot drop was going to linger and was going to be a problem. Um, I think the rest of NFL doctors agreed, but it only takes one, and yeah, right. They, they thought the generational talent was worth it. Now, I am not panning Jerry Jones, and I'm not panning that doctor either. But the reality is he didn't play the first year. The second year, he was terrible. The third year, he created a lot of buzz by filling an A-gap and really hustling and being a high-motor guy. And he got a contract extension. And by the fourth year, everyone in Cowboy Land knows that he couldn't cover in space, right? right? Because he couldn't change direction. And then he's been around. He, he's over. He's overachieved based on his injury. I mean, I think it's a shame. So I'm not bashing Jalen Smith. I think he's a good tackler, all. right? He's a good tackler. Like you look at his stats. He he's gets a great, like, great like, athlete. I believe Bill Polian that absent this knee injury and foot drop, he was a generational linebacker. Yeah, I believe yeah, it. Absolutely. And the fact that he still made some money and was a solid NFL player for a little bit. 
he overachieved based on that injury. He's right. done great. I mean, was he a second-round draft pick? Clearly not. But here's the thing. That was the same draft they got Dak Prescott in the fourth round. If you got Dak Prescott, second pick of the second round, and Jalen Smith in the fourth round, would you be mad at that draft? No, it looks a lot better. No, that way. <laughs> right? You got to judge it as a whole. Yeah. In isolation, okay, they reached a little bit on Jalen Smith, but that was still a good draft. I mean, way, if you want to juxtapose Dak to second and four, you'd be okay. That's fine. You yeah. know, we did good. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So. It, I don't know. I, I try not to to get into the fa- fan train and overreacting to some of this stuff. As I always say, if if a team does something, no team does anything that doesn't make sense. In retrospect, it may not work out. But no team goes in saying, let's go make a stupid decision today. If it looks <laughs> like a stupid a limb, yeah. <laughs> if it looks like a stupid decision from the outside. It just means you didn't have all the facts that they had at the time. That doesn't mean it, their decision will work out or not work out. But no team, I mean, they've got nothing but free time to talk about every minutia yeah. of every maneuver. And I guarantee you they relied on the doctor's optimism for a return to say, let's go get this generational talent. And in the end, it's fine. I mean, it, it is what it is. I got two more questions for you, Doc. Uh, doing all these lists and kind of, the news that leaks out right before combine, the guys aren't, that aren't going to participate because of injuries. One that I'm surprised isn't uh, isn't a huge concern in your mind is uh, Dalton Kincaid, the Utah tight end that has the uh, the back fracture and he's not going to work out a combine. We uh, look went back and looked at video. What did uh, what did you see from that one? Yeah, we're still publishing all the stuff at Sports Injury Central, and I have some optimism. Look, you get scared by a back fracture. No question. Now I got to hand it to the kid. He played the next week. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But as we look at video, this likely was a slight compression fracture. Now I like how the agent spin and people say it was a small back fracture. (laughs) It's only small when it's not your back, right? right? No such thing. I wouldn't want it. (laughs) But there are different types of back fractures that are concerning. This one's not. This was how he fell. And assuming there's no surprises, I don't see him dropping at all for this back. He's projected to be a top 15, top 20 pick. Jeremiah's recent mock draft has him 15 at the Packers. So, I mean, if you don't think All I'm saying is medically, he will not drop for this. I'm going to bring my betting stuff into this. I know I always do. I have a huge (laughs) concern. Yeah, yeah, of course. I have a huge (laughs) concern. So, obviously, you can bet on over under which round people are drafted in. And with our information, it's very useful because more a lot of the information books use – are the mock drafts and stuff. There's not much information out there. So a big player I um, I have issue with, or you do as well, uh, Daniel Jeremiah has him as the, num- the number one defensive end coming off the board, Tyree Wilson. He, ju- he just released that he had um, the right foot fracture. He is yeah, only doing was, bench press yeah. at the combine. Right now, if you can, the line isn't up yet. If, there's, if he's still projected to be a top 10 pick, I'm looking at stuff that we've written. You said he could possibly drop more, right? So this is a huge betting opportunity if you can get a certain line here. Well, the assumption, based on what we know, is that Tyree has a Jones fracture in his right foot and had surgery. Mm -hmm. It's a three- to four-month timeline, which is about now. It makes sense that he'll bench press but not do drills. Why not take the extra time for a pro day? Uh, 
in the end, 85% of the time, Jones fractures heal without issue. 15%, there's further issues. And yes, there's a tendency for the other side to act up at some point in their career. So I'm not saying that he's not draftable. Uh, but depending on what the medicals show, they want to see solid healing. Right. And um, here's the thing. I fully expect, look, you got to understand how information flow works too. I'm really glad that the NFL has tried to clamp down on leaking uh, the, uh, uh, the 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 tests on quarterback uh, the, the you, Wonderlick test Wonderlick tech yeah. results. I'm really glad that they. First of all, that's not strictly intelligence, but it just it's just a bad luck to be leaking some of this stuff. So I'm glad right. they're not leaking that stuff anymore. But let me tell you, um, I fully expect. Tyree's agent, and I don't even know who the agent is, to put out there that his foot checked out fine. There's no issues at combines. I mean, bookmark this, okay? Yeah. Right. I fully expect it. And if it really did check out fine, I expect it to be screened from the mountaintops. Uh, if it didn't check out fine, I expect it to say uh, teams have no worries about his foot. Okay. I mean, that's just the way the information flow works. Yeah. Now, in the end, I laugh because our team would never be influenced by any of those reports. I mean, it doesn't matter. Right. But um, it's just some of the jockeying positioning that, that teams do. So I think you have to check, uh, okay. I'd say, on Tyree. I'm not saying he's not draftable uh, at all, because even if it's not healed, you can do another surgery and get it to heal. But I think it's a uh, slow down and make sure he's okay before you draft him that high, right. uh, et cetera. Um, but their pro days at the end of the month, so gives them an extra. Because he just week, said he started ramping up two weeks before, two weeks before this uh, combine. Well, so he's like not said, three to four months recovery, and we're bouting in that window right now. So yeah, it makes sense that he's just ramped up recently. Uh, we don't have an issue or a problem with that. Since we're on the topic pro days, I just had uh, one more thing. It kind of leaks out that. Uh, some of the quarterbacks don't throw at pro at uh, the combine. Why is that? Or why do they prefer to throw at pro days over the combine? I don't know if it's medical based, but well, it seems like that's changed over time, right? The history has been, you can talk to agents rather than me, uh, that the quarterbacks that are guaranteed number one or the best picks don't throw. They're like, why? Right. Why? You, no you can't go, you can't raise your stock. You can only lower it. Why yeah. are you going to do this? Right. right. I mean, I mean, why place a bet? If you can't win any more money, you can only lose money. I mean, why? Yeah. Uh, so they just, but they have to throw. So they do it at their pro day when it's controlled. And guess what? They throw to receivers. They're used to throwing to. And there's no like wrong routes and this, that, the other, yeah. and you know, it's scripted and you know, it's just comfort and the, the whole thing. A lot of times we used to ask guys, Oh, you're not running uh, hamstring. And, and to save myself time, I'd say, is this an agent hamstring or do you really have one? <laughs> Cause if you really have one. Okay. Let me check it out. <laughs> if it's an agent hamstring, I mean, you just choosing not to run right now. That's fine. And just, let's just move on. So a lot of times that, that does happen. And it is really a meat market with a lot of people coming through. So, I mean, look, four days you're examining 330 people. I mean, your head is spinning by the time you're done with this. And, 
I hate to say this, but most of the times I end up examining a kid, I wouldn't necessarily know his name. I mean, it was, okay, this is what he has. This is the thing. And you give a grade and it'd be tight in 12, tight in 12, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, (laughs) it's kind of bad. It's dehumanizing, but yeah. And, and the other thing that we would have is, and the guys in the room would start to give me grief about it. And this would actually be good reconnaissance. We had a list of about 50, 60 people that I would say were dotted because we'd get the entire list. And if there's, and we had one athletic trainer who was at the table, whose job was to make sure that if a dotted guy came up to the table to be presented, that I made sure I went hands on and, you know, fine tooth comb the deal. The others, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily because they present guys. I don't always touch every guy depending, you know, if there's something to look at, but the dotted guys, I always would. So the guys in the room would say, Oh, San Diego's, and of course we were in San Diego time. San Diego's interested in this kid, you know, <laughs> cause I would make sure to, you know, I'd say, well, maybe I'm just interested in this knee, you know, <laughs> but yeah. teams already know there were 50 or 60 that we were primarily targeting. Right. Uh, one more that, uh, you had an interesting thing on, uh, Jackson Smith Najiba from uh, Ohio State. He had the hamstring issues last year. I think he had an interesting point that it combines the real test of his flexibility and if he's done that offseason work to prevent future hamstring injuries. I didn't I didn't know that there was a way to prevent that or I mean it makes sense. There's a way to help it. There's a way yeah. to help it. There, there, yeah. There, there, no, one, no one really saw him last year because of those three re-aggravations. There, there are a lot of things where people are a setup for problems. I mean, to be overly simplistic, someone with valgus or knock need with a lateral meniscus tear, mm, not good. Mm-hmm. Offensive lineman with a low back, not good. Spondy, not good. Chronic hamstrings in an overly tight, not flexible guy, high chance. And this is just school of hard knocks. And I'm not trying to go through the whole list, right? but there's almost a feel of, can this guy... What are his re-injury risk, et cetera? And I think that's where hands-on is going to be important for this kid from Ohio State. Assuming he's flexible and he's past his hamstring issues and he does well at his pro day, I see no issue with him. But if he's wound tight and, you know, this, that, the other, and perhaps doesn't do well, he may drop with some chronic hamstring issues. So this is where hands-on is better than what we're doing. We're just right. pointing out some different viewpoints from – being in the room when it happened from from having literally done these exams and reported to teams and and also seeing what other team doctors liked and and didn't like yes combine's the most important thing but let's the medical's the most important thing but let's not get too over important out of the 330 right. guys look if you're a grade one, two, or three, let me tell you what the uh, GMs thought of it. Nothing because they don't see a yellow <laughs> M or a red M or a yellow or red dot on that card. That grade is the same. You can grade them a 2.5 all you want or a 3. They don't care. Okay, <laughs> They just said they passed their physical. Don't need to worry about so it. even yeah. though we're documenting and we're doing all this stuff and doing our due diligence, let's not get too full of ourselves in terms of how important we are in the process. Yeah. And look, if a GM wants a guy, I don't care what the grade is. He's going to take them. I don't care if there's a yellow dot for medical on it or even a red dot for right now. They're going to take them. They're the ones making the big dollars. All it, all we're doing is giving them hints about what their medical status is. And also, quite honestly, not to get uh, 
not to get fired when if if there is a medical issue uh uh I'll, I'll, the the one year where they came to us a lot and i've told this story before we didn't even have antonio Cromartie dotted but because of his acl he was falling to mid late first to us he was a top 10 pick and we said okay he's fine and they kept coming back to me is he fine and i'm like he's fine i don't know what else to say i'm at the children's table i mean he's not fine today but he will be fine right and the third time the gm came back it was right before the pick and i looked at the head athletic trainer next to me at the kids table at the time it wasn't computerized it was folders and books i said i said does he realize the the first time he came to me i told him everything i know about this kid that was written on this piece of paper like unless there's reappearing ink There's nothing new I'm going to find. <laughs> I don't remember who this kid is. I'm going by the notes that we took here yeah. on him. And he wasn't even dotted. So we looked at anyways. So he laughed, whatever. And we ended up taking him. And uh, we've talked about it with Marcus McNeil on the podcast here. Marcus McNeil was who we were targeting in the first round. And he dropped because of low back issues. And they actually came back. A lot of years they said nothing to us in the draft room the whole time. So let's not get too crazy yeah. here. But that year they came up twice and Marcus McNeil kept dropping. So they got nervous. Is Marcus McNeil okay? Because he's they're saying on TV he's dropping because of his back. And I'm like, well, he's just a rehab issue. I'm looking at James Collins, our head athletic trainer. I'm not worried. Are you? He goes, no, it's just a rehab issue. So then they get him and they're high-fiving in the room. And A.J. Smith is pretty stoic, although I had a great relationship with him. They're high five in, in the room because they got basically two first-round draft picks. If Cromartie didn't fall, Marcus McGill would have been our first-round draft pick. Mm-hmm. And that's why I joke with Marcus that Crow owes you some money. He, <laughs> he took some of your first-round money. But in any case, I still remember we're still sitting there and, and I don't dare get up and high-five anybody or whatever. I'm sitting at the kids' table in the corner, a little two-top. They've got this big dining room table type thing, <laughs> conference room table like we're in front of here. And A.J. Smith, I still remember, saunters up and looks at James Collins and I and goes, well, men, it's all on you now because he drafted two guys with injuries. And I remember looking at A.J. and saying, I understand if either one of these guys don't work out that I'm fired, but if they both do, do I get a raise? <laughs> <laughs> and he just looked, question. and he just looked at me and chuckled and walked away. Yeah. <laughs> Answer no. <laughs> you get to keep your job. <laughs> yeah, you get to keep That's your the job. Prize. That's yeah. the prize. You get to keep your job. Uh, but anyway, so we would have, have some fun. I have one last thing. So uh, Byron Jones, he had one of the best combines ever. 2015 jumping. You know, he had the high jump. So he tweeted on February 25th. Much has changed in eight years. He tweeted about the combine. Today, I can't run or jump because my injury sustained playing this game. Do not take the pills they give you. Do not take the injections they give you. If you absolutely must, consult an outside doctor to learn about long-term implications. So he was on um, PUP to start the year last year due to Achilles injury that he thought would heal before the season even started. He didn't play at all last year. So now he came out with his tweet just to reference the combine. What are your thoughts on that, Doc? I know it's slightly sensitive, but I think that's pretty, you know, I'd love to have him on the podcast and talk about the specific issues. Um, look, if what he's describing is correct, I side with him. Um, pills, 
look, this is the biggest fallacy out there. We did not give athletes pain pills. Your reaction time is slowed. You can't play football taking right. Vicodin. Right. Okay. Right. I mean, we did not give pain pills. Was Toradol used? Yes, it still is. Non-narcotic. You can say it's pain. It's an injection, but it's a strong Advil anti-inflammatories. We studied it. Seems safe in short-term usage. And as a medical staff, we weren't handing out toward all. People were coming saying, give it to me. And then we'd say, why? And we'd talk to them about right. it. So I, I, that wasn't our experience. Um, let me tell you something. It seems, if anything, that clearly Byron Jones doesn't have the relationship that I think NFL players need to have with their doctors. I'm not saying you can't have outside doctors in your own opinions, but there needs to be a lot of trust back and forth. And here's the way that I always did it. And, and maybe I had a slight advantage because I wasn't some 50, 60 year old guy. I mean, I was in a relative age bracket with them and maybe more relatable, but I considered them my friends and um, I considered my reputation in the locker room of being a player advocate, being a very important feature of doing it. Sure, we had our second opinions. I mean, uh, agents would drive it and this, that, the other. And But my point is, I decided a long time ago when I did this, started doing this job is that, look, if you're a banker, your job is to take care of the money. If you're a real estate guy or manager, your job's to take care of the buildings. Okay. I'm a team doctor. What are the number one assets of the Chargers? The players. So I needed to take care of the players. I don't care if you're the first pick in the draft or the best player on our team or the worst. My job is to take care of you and get you healthy. If you're the best player on the team, get you healthy so you play because we need you. And if you're the worst player on the team, sometimes get you healthy so you can get cut so we can bring someone else on. But I wouldn't make the cut decisions. The only time I did stuff against a team, I remember time a player, a GM saying, we got to get rid of this guy. When's he healthy? So we can cut him. I was like, don't ask me that question again. I'm trying to get everyone healthy. Mm -hmm. right. And if you tell me I side off in this guy and he's going to get cut, it might inadvertently influence my decision-making because I feel bad or rush him. I don't need to know any of this. Right. Right. Uh, let me just do my job. I would never, I would always express my opinion honestly, but I felt like my relationship primarily was with the player to be a player advocate. There was two times in my career where the team said, I was telling the team, I think the guy can play through this injury. And the team said, you need to tell him he needs to play. And I said, that's not my job. Right. My job is to say, I think you're healthy enough to play. I don't think you're going to do any permanent damage right. if you play. My job is not to tell you to play. So that's your job. Yeah. The coaches in the front, that's your job to say, we really need you to play. Yeah. My job is to give the medical opinion. And that's it. And so I, I try to keep the lines clear. I'd really enjoy a conversation with Byron Jones. 
or anybody who is disgruntled into i feel bad for that situation um maybe if i heard all the details i'd agree with him 100 based on what his experience was right. or maybe we'd clear up some misunderstandings of why he feels that way and i'm not sure why independent is always better anyways sometimes these decisions are made pretty quickly before a game during a game and to me you have to have a relationship and i always thought the time to build a relationship is before the crisis like if you sit down and have a training camp meal with somebody or you're on a bus and you sit next to somebody or you're on the sidelines of a walkthrough or in a in a uh, on a road trip when there's multiple meals and chances or passing the hallway develop relationships with people and develop a little bit of trust in terms of the situation look i knew certain guys i mean guys were I don't say this in a derogatory way at all, uh, if anything, positive way. I'm, I remember one player, I won't say who's star, was kind of a mama's boy. And when he was hurt, I would say, do you want me to call your mom from the <laughs> locker room? And he'd say, yeah. Yeah. Right? I mean, but he yeah. was tough as nails. Don't but, get me wrong. You know, but and, throw it there and have her Yeah. Hear. I mean, like, like, you know how he's, you know. I mean, where that trust level is. Yeah. I mean, when he was hurt, I, I remember going to his house, his condo, and his mom would be there making him a meal and wanted to, and I do a little house call and she made me sit down and eat with them. You know, <laughs> I mean, so I, I knew how he was wired, yeah. you know, and what would make him more comfortable and, and, you know, everyone's wired differently. And so I, I think it's a relationship game Yeah, and yeah. you have to have relationships with people and for whatever reason, clearly Byron Jones doesn't feel like he had it, which I think is sad. I don't, that's not the way it should be. Yeah. Shouldn't be transactional. Yeah. It seemed very transactional. And, and, and look, I think it gets harder and harder. You know, this is going to be the old, you know, when I went to school, it was <laughs> five miles through uphill snow, both yeah. way through the snow, right? <laughs> yep. To and from school. Yep. But sponsorships, are make it very difficult for a very good doctor to say no i really am looking out for you but they see the banner they see the hospital name on their practice jersey they see the advertising and like oh you're just here for you and your grant right. i mean i get it makes it harder right uh for current day doctors to do it look i don't know the details yet but that chris marigos lawsuit in a second opinion 40 some million dollars yeah. for a special, special team guy i mean yeah. Look, I think it's very yeah. difficult nowadays. I mean, look, if you're a super successful orthopedist and you're super busy in your practice and 98% of your income comes from regular patients and not pro athletes, why would you expose yourself and a family to that risk? Why would you do that job anymore? It takes a lot of time and 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 then expose yourself potentially to $40 million of risk. No one has that much med medical malpractice insurance. Why would you? But if you're a guy who's trying to make a name for yourself, maybe you would. Right. So I, I think it's a difficult situation right now for medical. And and I think you guys know I've always been viewed as a player advocate, I think, more than even a team advocate. But I think you can walk the line of both. Right. 
in terms of what it would be. Uh, I didn't mean to get off the topic related to combines, but yeah, I, I think, you know, I don't know if anyone knows Byron Jones. I don't know him. I'd love to have him on the podcast. Like, I don't think he'll do it while he's still in the league, but you know, um, I'd love to hear his opinion as to why and what went wrong in his case and what specific pills he's talking about and so forth. There's no question in my mind that football is a brutal sport. It is not a contact sport. It is a collision sport. Basketball is a contact sport. Football is a collision sport. So I'm not sure Byron Jones and his injuries and what he's talking about, but I feel for him. That's what. That's all the uh, draft questions I had. If you want more uh, draft content throughout the uh, combine leading up to the draft, you can head to the website. We'll have an NFL draft guide there. It should be on the uh, college football page too. So you can find it there also along with the, the LeBron stuff we didn't get to, but it, it'll still be a story next week. So, <laughs> Yeah, his plantar fascia. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's the other thing that I think what we continue trying to do. Now, I get it. You see pro football doc. And what does this guy know about basketball? I don't know. I, I, I worked with the Bulls. I worked with the Timberwolves. I've covered basketball. I don't have two decades as a head NBA team physician. That's why I say pro football doc. I try, you know, uh, not to, you know, uh, exaggerate credentials, but I've worked with NBA players. LeBron seems to me has a plantar fascia injury. And, and I saw the social media. Oh, he's fine. He's faking after the game, limping because he finished the game. Once again, just because you finished the game doesn't mean you weren't injured. And plantar fascia rupture, which hasn't been officially confirmed yet, but based on all our peripheral information from the outside, seems to be the case. He's going to be a couple weeks here before he can get back to it. And we'll, we'll keep given our insights as much as we can. Look, uh, Joe Musgrove, I mean, local San Diego. We, I mean, we're kind of proud of the fact that we kind of took the words out of Bob Melvin's mouth before Bob Melvin spoke on the toe and what it was and what it means and timeline. And so we'll keep doing that. And uh, the sick insights, you guys have been doing a great job on and on giving quick twitch to the latest information on people. And, you know, as you watch uh, Steph Curry creep back and uh, Kevin Durant return and basketball, baseball, and, and even football, as we keep talking, you know, like Brock Purdy. I mean, now you hear the whispers. Remember at Super Bowl, I said, QB conundrum, this is a big deal. There's no guarantee he's ready. How can you, you know, say this about Brock Purdy? Now the great Mike Silver says, it would be silly if the 49ers shouldn't don't at least call Tom Brady, right? right. Because of their situation and, and what it is. So I think it's coming. And then I and I did see on his list of potential people, he did throw in Matt Ryan, which we said <laughs> <laughs> that, that one we're just guessing on based on relationships. But yeah. but the bottom line is there's no guarantee Brock Purdy is ready. And therefore they gotta have a contingency plan. Right. So that's the kind of stuff that we try and do uh, with injury analysis. All right, guys. Anything else? That's all I had. Didn't mean to ra ramble. No, good stuff. Um, sorry uh, about the poor guest this week. <laughs> um, all fun and good. Hopefully you guys enjoy this because uh, to me it was just a conversation between Jacob, Taylor, and I. And I guess that's what I'm told podcasts are about. Uh, so away we go. Lots more information. We'll see about next week's guest. 
Joe Thomas said he would come on, but it's a matter of scheduling. We've got Dan Orlowski said we couldn't work out the scheduling this week. We'll get him on. Evan Silva, we mentioned. So we got a long list. And if you have other suggestions, let us know. And if anyone knows Byron Jones or want to reach out or Byron Jones agent, I'd love to have him on and let him give free mic about what his specific complaints on and and to uh, to talk it through. And uh, we're supposed to get Von Miller on. Yeah. Uh, that's not the other. Uh all right, thanks for watching and listening Pro Football Doc Sports Injury Central podcast, and we'll catch you next week. That's it for the combine version. Mm-hmm.